0: Welcome to uh, the 2021 Wisconsin Film Festival. Thanks so much for bringing your film, False Alarm, to us to share with our audience. And thanks for coming on to talk with us uh, about it today. So um, I'm going to start with just uh, sort of a basic question. How, Nick, how did you come to make this film? What was the inspiration uh, behind this project?
1: Yeah, I think. Probably like most projects, it came to me at a time when I had space and I was kind of looking for a project. (laughs) This is my first feature. So I was really looking for a project where I could um, put more of my voice into it in a longer form. Uh, A lot of the things that I've made before, either I was an assistant director or an editor on somebody else's uh, short film or a lot of times I was directing sort of short comedy films with friends and I wanted to engage in something a little bit more serious and also um, explore my own more serious voice. And then this came along, this event happened in 2018. And I, I think I was struck by the fact that I didn't even know that it had happened until somebody had told me about it a week later. And it just seemed like the kind of, getting used to the disasters, particular to the Trump presidency and maybe broader into the kind of um, moment that we're in. And I really wanted to unpack that. I thought there was a a lot to learn there and it was uh, sad and kind of surprising that it had just passed us by like that.
0: Pauline,
2: hi. Yeah, thank you so much to you both for joining us. Um, I mean, there's, I have s- so many questions about this project, um, but I guess I will just start with. So this is kind of a big undertaking, right? Like you're trying to explain um, geopolitical history in in <laughs> the South Pacific, like and and beyond South Pacific, and in. in Basically, global politics, um, the history of the, you know, roughly 20th century, beginning of the 20th century till now, um, plus, you know, colonialization and <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So how did you go about, I don't know, like wrangling all this material so that you could tell a coherent story?
1: Well, I'm glad you think I accomplished all of that. Um Yeah. I, you know, there's a whole lot of different angles that I set out to film when I filmed this and also a whole lot of other things that I encountered as I started talking to people and started interviewing folks. Um, You know, you'll notice in the film, there's certain places where people are almost responding to the previous interview that I had had. And I'm kind of you know, I'm trying to bounce their ideas off each other, create the, the tension between where the differences in their ideas happen. And, you know, I think there was a point where I wanted to go much more depth into Hawaiian history and uh, colonialism or occupation I think I walked back from that both because I uh, didn't have, uh, the funds to go back to Hawaii anymore for more interviews. Uh, so practical reasons, but also, uh, like you said, I, I just, you have to kind of, you have to find a, a, a box to put the film in, uh, or, or you'll, you'll, it'll unspool, uh, until it's, uh, 20 hours long or, um, doesn't, isn't actually coherent anymore. So I definitely tried to touch on a lot of things. I tried to be aware of what was and wasn't my story to tell. Uh, so, you know, the, the history of Hawaiian occupation, colonialism is something that I brought into the film, but, you know, there's better resources if you're if that's the topic that you really want to dive into. Um, so that also helped me keep some narrowness to, to the project.
3: Um, so I guess I'm kind of interested on uh, narrowing in on I guess like your relation like Nick and Max like your guys's relationship and I guess like where you guys, you guys did begin your careers together right. Uh, Yeah, so I guess yeah when did you guys meet, where did you guys meet.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll start off and then I'll let Max explain more because I've been talking a lot. I've Max and I have worked together. On all sorts of creative projects for a long time. We actually went to high school uh, and college together in Verona, and then uh, the University of Wisconsin. We, I believe, our the first video project um, that I would name as such was something that I collaborated with Max on. Uh, it was a sort of uh, advertisement type. PSA work, uh, early political uh, experience about uh, actually about about kind of military industrial complex. So I haven't I haven't come too far from that, I guess. Um, I don't know if that was Max's first uh, video project that he worked on, but I'll I'll let him explain some more. It
3: it may be, um, yeah. Nick Nick and I have been uh, longtime collaborators. Um, uh, as, as he mentioned, we have grown up and gone to school together. Um, and even now, while we, we live in different places, continue to collaborate on a really a whole range of projects. So when I found out he was working on this film, um, I was interested to, to help in any way that I can and, and, and super flattered that he invited me to um, really do do everything from look at rough cuts and talk about story concepts uh to then you know score score the film
0: yeah i, I just wanted to follow up max your the score that you've done for this film is kind is interesting to me it's very it's kind of it's it, it, it's it's sort of experimental um i'm wondering uh what what uh film soundtrack scores uh, inspired you throughout the years. What what are some of your favorites? But I'm also I'm curious to hear your thoughts you know behind how you approached uh, the score for this which almost serves um, it's interesting because it sort of blends in and out of like the just the sound design of the movie. It's at times you don't even realize you're hearing the score. It's just like kind of like this low rumbling thing that's like a, well, not a stinger but like a sort of a just a <laughs> Like a, you know, you're not sure if you're hearing missiles coming your way or you're just hearing the, the, the sound of the, of the synth.
3: Yeah, I'm. A, thank you. First of all, um, I consider myself to be a multidisciplinary artist who blends new media and social practice, and sound is one of my favorite mediums to work in. I'm also a classically trained musician um, and have experience um writing and performing orchestral music chamber music uh as well as contemporary popular music um and i had just finished art school for visual art um when when nick invited me to work on this score so it was a, a very welcome return to to sound as i like to to say the ultimate dematerialized art object i think my influences come from um from romantic composers Chopin, Satie, modal jazz, Miles Davis, uh, minimalists like Steve Reich or Philip Glass. Um, Some contemporary composers that I really look to are Brian Eno, Aphex Twin, Burial, William Basinski, Max Richter, and I'm also inspired by conceptual artists who work with sound as a medium, people like Janet Cardiff or Keratin Ragnarsson. Um, And I I try and bring bring those influences to bear. Uh, For this project, I was particularly inspired by someone I mentioned, Brian Eno, who I had read an interview of how he approaches film sound. And he settled on a technique of um, not watching the film, Uh, he doesn't he doesn't watch any any part of it Uh, I didn't I wasn't so strict as that I did see some clips but the point the point was is that I didn't compose synchronously to um, to Nick's filmic work I I made something sort of in response to general themes um, more of an effective approach and Kind of settled on, um, I guess two two different themes emerged. Uh, one was sort of haunting and impending, and the other more hopeful and and buoyant. Um, and I guess my hope was that the sound could become sort of an agent unto itself. And then I um, invited Nick to, as a director, to cue the the actual synchronous points of where where each um, theme or motif would make its way into the final work. That's great. Uh, Johnny?
4: Yeah. um, So I have a question that sort of goes off what Pauline was talking about in terms of just the wide range of material that you have and just all the different stories you're compiling. Um, Because what I think is so interesting about the film and what I love so much is that it balances very like personal stories with then later getting into such, you know, large political ideas um, and more global topics. And so I guess I'm just wondering how you, cause there could be a whole movie just about interviewing people and saying, what was it like when this happened? How did you feel? And that's in here. And then there's also, there could be a whole movie just about the geopolitical, you know, ramifications of what's going on as we talked about and you balance the two in a really interesting way. Um, so yeah, I guess I was just wondering how you balance those sort of two ideas of the very personal stories of these people in the moment versus then going into the broader scale of things.
1: It was definitely a hard balance uh, as I worked through the film. That was an early intention was to take this this moment that really was really personal, really visceral, really emotional and dramatic and in some ways, and try and take that and ensure that that had some kind of reflection on the larger geopolitical concerns, something as abstract as nuclear weapons, which feels... It's not just an abstract kind of threat, but even even when it is specific, even in this instance, pe- nobody knows what to do in the instance of a nuclear attack. I mean, duck and cover, I guess, but uh, there's there's just kind of a fatalism about it that makes it even, even more abstract than a lot of other social problems. And so I thought that this event was uh, being wasted or being approached in the wrong way by a lot of the news media which of course they're doing their job they're trying to say how the hell did this happen how do we prevent this from happening again um and those are important questions but that that was definitely something that potentially a little frustratingly for some viewers i skirted i I engage a little bit but i i skirt to the side to to because i really do want to connect that emotional that personal to the larger concerns
2: well i guess um speaking of balance um one of the things that impressed me about the film is that you do have a wide array of different viewpoints right and there are a number of perspectives showcased here um just along the political spectrum i mean i think most most of the your interview subjects i would say are probably left-leaning um but even among (laughs) <laughs> leftists there is a, a spectrum or progressives there's a spectrum of of um ideals um and and yeah perspectives and you name it so I'm wondering was that something that you deliberately sought out um and did you intend to put your thumb on the scale in any way or did you kind of want to remain as unbiased as you could
1: yeah I I definitely, that was intentional. The, the sub, the people that I chose to interview, I ultimately wanted to interview people that I could connect with and that I could, that I had a lot of respect for their viewpoints. So everybody in the film, I hope is portrayed in a way that is complex and interesting. I ultimately didn't want to, I had considered, you know, reaching out to some kind of like, wildly different viewpoints in favor of nuclear weapons in favor of war with North Korea or something. Uh, but I, I think it would, it would detract from some of the subtlety of the problem. One of the benefits of being an independent filmmaker is that the film doesn't have to conform as much to, um, the really big dramatic tension between all the way on this side, all the way on that side. And instead I, I was able to explore some of the subtlety and differences among people who are ultimately working towards a similar aim, but maybe disagree on, on what is the practical way to, to get there. So that was certainly intentional to reach out to those folks. And I'm sorry if there was another part of the question that I didn't get to there.
2: I mean I think that was uh roughly the question. I mean I guess the other part of it is how much did you let your oh personal bias show?
1: Yeah, I I wasn't really interested in making a film that was unbiased. Uh I I don't really believe in the idea of of being an unbiased artist. Um I think I wanted to mostly let the characters speak for themselves, so I wasn't I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to make the film about my voice, but i wasn't also I also wasn't trying to hide my voice from the viewers and I particularly appreciate films that demystify the 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 narrator role. Um, I had some consideration of hiring a person to do the narration at some point, point. Um, and I had other drafts of the narration that were more um autobiographical but i ultimately settle on something in between where it is more of a third person narrator but it's also clearly my voice and not um certainly not certainly not unbiased
0: yeah i was gonna say that that's that the film is an interesting hybrid of a sort of more um you know certainly wide ranging perspectives in the, in the, in the subjects that we see on screen, uh, the characters that we meet throughout the way, but, but sort of more of like a global view of that, but that's paired with this voiceover narration, which is very much more of like this essayistic, um, you know, uh, personal expression, uh, of, of your thoughts about this incident and about uh, Donald Trump and and some other things. Um, uh, who are some filmmakers or so or what are some films that 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 you looked to as role models for this approach?
1: yeah, I think the I think the primary I mean there's a whole range of sort of left political filmmakers, uh, Michael Moore obviously who has inserts himself much more specifically into the films. I think. Um, Honestly the contemporary video youtube essays are a big inspiration trying to incorporate some of that the way that um, those authors on, are able to reflect on a subject while incorporating third party media in a in a sort of remix of whatever um, they're creating mm-hmm. i think as far as do- actual documentarians or or more formal documentarians go, Uh, Adam Curtis is certainly a a kind of role model. And I think probably, I think I had seen some of his films uh, right before I started engaging in this project as well.
3: Yeah, so you said this was your uh, first feature film. And I was wondering if you had any unique obstacles that come with making a larger project and same for Max as well. If this is the largest project you worked on.
1: As far as obstacles go, I think Funding was a big one. I think understanding what the the road to a finished film looked like was an obstacle. I had certainly taken on even fairly large editing projects or assistant director projects. I was um, somewhat practiced in a lot of those pieces. But I think I had a block at some point in the film where I felt like if I couldn't get funds to support the film, then I wouldn't be able to complete it. Uh, ultimately, I this is a truly independent film. Uh, you know, it's self-financed uh, and also a lot of um, in-kind labor from folks like Max and others who um, sort of believed in the project and uh, engaged with it. Uh, I, you know, I think that, so I think funding was a big obstacle, I think. Um, I think another big obstacle was also uh, something that I learned along the way is just even with an independent film project, even without funding, there really. I was surprised at the number of people who weren't necessarily filmmakers who were able to give me really insightful and helpful reviews of different scenes and uh, help me grapple with different uh, problems as I was going through either. You know, more technical folks who could help me with editing or design choices and those things. Um, and you know, practically anybody can can engage as a as a quote unquote story consultant, which you'll see many of in the credits.
3: I don't really much have much to add on this one. Um, it was very easy to work with Nick. I love collaborating with Nick, and uh, the process was very fluid. I think uh, just hearing the the nights of uh, of editing that that he put in, uh, in, the, in kind of the home stretch of finishing the film, I, I would say he, he deserves the award for the more Herculean effort. I guess I'm just
4: curious because this isn't a story that, th- this is a story that, you know, affected an entire country and, you know, even wider ranging implications than that. But the people that you have, um, that you use as the talking heads in this film, aren't, you know, literally like explicitly involved in what happened They're They're one of, you know, however many people live in Hawaii. So I'm just wondering how you went about choosing, selecting and finding and choosing the people to be in this film and, you know, the way each of them represents sort of a different viewpoint. But yeah, just who who are the people and how did you find them?
1: I had a couple different concerns and, and considerations when choosing people. The first thing I was interested in was just kind of finding people who were already interested in telling their story. I started with a couple folks who had written an op-ed or some other kind of media piece about the story. And I said, okay, these are the folks who are already reflecting on this, um, already making maybe some of the connections that I would make later in the film. Uh, later on, as I started to develop the project, I, I did an interview or two from, I was based in DC at the time and did an interview or two in one in Virginia and one in New Jersey of two folks who were tourists uh, in Hawaii during the period, and that really solidified for me that this that there was a real story here that this was something that people that was very emotional, very traumatizing. People had no outlet to to process it really, uh, because how do you talk to anybody else about your experience thinking you were going to die in a nuclear missile that wasn't really true. And so you maybe also feel a little guilty about or ashamed about having fallen for this. Um, but you know, after those kind of initial interviews, I wanted to talk to folks who represented a range of perspectives uh, on, on the topic who maybe came from different social positions in relation to nuclear weapons, militarism, and maybe came out with different insights from this experience. And to be honest, finding the folks was not a challenge uh, because it happened to everybody on Hawaii. I reached out to folks. There were some people who were just not interested in participating, but um, there really was a A surprising number of people who I think found value in being interviewed, found kind of almost therapeutic value in having the ability to process this in a way that will hopefully result in in a a socially positive experience rather than just purely uh, individualized and traumatic one.
0: Well, I want to thank you both for spending time with us. But I wanted to ask one last question of both of you. Uh, Do you have anything that you're working on now or is coming up soon that you'd like to tell us about? I'd be fascinated to hear what you're both up to now these days as this pandemic hopefully winds down.
1: Yeah. As Max mentioned, uh, we both are longtime collaborators and Uh, while I'm sure we both have other things we're working on, uh, individually, we are collaborating on a project that I think we're both really excited about. It's called solar punk futures, and it's a art card game. Uh, it's kind of a light role-playing game, uh, that invites people to explore, uh, paths toward a utopian future. So we're really, really excited about that. And that sounds amazing.
3: And, uh, In preparation for today, Nick, I was scrolling through some of our our chats from the like last fall and uh, there was some line of where we were talking about this game that we're working on, Solar Punk Futures, um, as he was finishing False Alarm and there was some line of of like, oh, I better finish False Alarm first. um so yeah it's it's true we we do uh we do often have many things going on that overlap and uh and uh yeah i'm i'm always excited to be working with nick and uh looking forward to um looking forward to bringing bringing this game to fruition
0: well that sounds awesome i can't wait to play it let me know when it's available um thanks so much both of you for for bringing false alarm to our attention and allowing us to share it with our audience here in Wisconsin. Uh, We look forward to lots of cool stuff from both of you in the future. Thanks very much.
3: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you all for having us.